You'll, you'll want to keep that in Genesis 27. We're looking at the entire chapter, but we just had the first few um, verses read, 10 verses. A couple weeks ago, if you uh, were around, we looked at uh, the, the passage where uh, a- Abraham's legacy of faith was established. He passed away, and then like we looked at through Scripture of how he's held up as an example of faith in so many different ways in the New Testament. And then uh, we also last week looked at how, looking at uh, in particular Isaac's life and how Isaac uh, and, and demonstrates to us a pattern of pa- our parents leaving us both a pattern of uh, brokenness and of blessing. And then uh, this week, as you've already heard or read, hopefully as you were following along, um, a pattern of brokenness continues in this chapter. And uh, this might be, this, this feels like the beginning of a Netflix series. I'm just going to tell you like, a, like a, a reality television show, the real broken families of the Middle East or something. I don't know. It was, it, from here on, it's just uh, generation after generation of broken people. You have in just this text, Genesis 27, you have a husband and wife who lie to each other, play favorites with their kids, two brothers who uh, hate, despise each other. One of them tries to kill the other or wants to kill the other. Um, Besides that, it's a very healthy, well-rounded family. Um, So (laughs) this dynamic continues, but the real focus in this passage is not the brokenness. It's on the idea of a blessing. And you've already heard about this, but um, I want us to see, and we'll see um, the, the background for this passage in a moment, but the, I want us to see today that the blessing we need, we all need, is not something we can actually achieve. The blessing that every person in this room needs, ultimately, is not something we can achieve or earn or gain for ourselves, despite what this passage teaches about Jacob stealing his brother's blessing. Now, the background for this, and I want to make sure we're, we're up to speed and it's as easy to read it as to... Um, as to dive into it, there's already a complex relationship between Jacob and Esau. Uh, back in the end of Genesis 25, uh, I'm just going to read it, but there's, uh, as um, it tells us about already something that's, that's taken place. Uh, Genesis 25, 27, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in his tent in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So right there, you got favorites, bad plan. Uh, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau saw to, said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Uh, Jacob said, let me uh, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? So much drama in this passage, right? They're just like very dramatic. Jacob says, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau was the older, firstborn, literally of twins. So it wasn't long before Jacob showed up, Um, but he sold his birthright to his younger brother. And chapter 27 is all about this relationship continuing, but instead of uh, Esau selling his birthright, now we have Jacob actually usurping his brother and stealing his brother's uh, actual blessing from their father. Again, the idea being the blessing we need is not something we can achieve. So we're going to see we all need a blessing, we struggle to get a blessing, and we can receive, but we can receive the blessing that we need. So first, we all need a blessing. Now, I know that's a weird term, 
uh, blessing in modern Western culture does not carry any sort of weight like it does, does in Scripture. Our concept of, of blessing in English is very wimpy and weak and shallow. Uh, it, it can either mean uh, that prayer that you make right before you eat, right? You say the blessing, right? Uh, or uh, a blessing can be when someone sneezes and you say, bless you, right? Is that what this passage is talking about? I hope you're smart enough to know, no, it's not. <laughs> there is so much more, so much more depth and beauty and um, many more facets to this idea of blessing here. And we've already seen it show up in scripture if, in Genesis, if you remember back, I know this is a few months ago, but when uh, God created man and, and woman in the garden, he said to the, it says he blessed them and he said, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And we see that word blessing show up over and over again, shows up again with Noah. And then in Genesis 12, God begins with Abraham and says, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will give you an offspring. I will give you a land and I will be with you. I will be your God. So this idea of blessing has already been established through scripture um, as something way more than we uh, can understand. But when you read this chapter, uh, it's it's weird to to think, uh, if you if you look at it kind of, Analytically, it's weird to think that Rebecca and Jacob thought they could steal the blessing, right? I mean, that's what they—that's what the the I scheme they're scheming about in these first ten verses. This idea of going and stealing the blessing from um, the father uh, from Isaac. Now, I remember reading this text many years ago and wrestling with the idea. Well, certainly, they're smart enough to know Esau is coming back. Right? I mean, he didn't like leave town. He's, he's coming back, and they certainly have to understand that Esau is going to go to his father, and his father Isaac's going to say, What has happened? Somebody's done this. I need uh, to go correct this. Uh, Jacob, get back in here. Um, I take back everything I said to you. Um, I, you, you I, all the blessings, all the good words, all the encouragement, I take them all back. And here, Esau, let me give them to you. And that's how we think about it. But that's not what, can, what seems to be actually happening in this passage. It seems to be much more than just some, uh, uh, some words of affirmation or hope. So they somehow believe by the way that they acted that they could take this and it not go to anyone else. It felt like an immutable declaration. Now, the question is, what, what's at work here? Was it some kind of last will and testament or, or you know, something like that? And yes, there's a little bit of that going on here as well. But there's something uh, weighty going on. If you look down in verse 29, uh, he, part of the blessing that he actually declares over Jacob. So Jacob, we've already read about what, the plan. He works the plan. He gets to his father. His father, like, tests him. Who are you? Smells him, like, all this. And he finally declares this blessing and goes, you will be Lord over your brothers. and May your mother's sons bow down to you. And he also says, may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. And while this seems to us to be like a prayer or good wishes towards someone, uh, it was a... Um, a limited commodity. Look down at verse uh, 37 and what he tells Esau when Esau finally comes in and he learns what happened. He goes, behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers and I have given to him for servants and with grain and wine, I've sustained him. So what's he saying? 
He's saying this blessing is something that can, is given but can't be taken back. It's, it's declared but can't be undeclared. It can't be revoked. It is, a, it is a, um, something of such immutable quality that it can't be changed. There's so much power in these words. We, we don't like to admit it, that there are power in words, right? Um, we, we are taught from a young age uh, a very simple saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is somebody who's been hurt a lot by words, lying to themselves. <laughs> it should be more like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will stick with me forever. Because the truth is, words have power in our lives. Despite what we want to admit, words can bless, they can curse. Uh, when words are spoken to us by people we look up, uh, look up to, especially as we're growing up, those words sink into us. They become part of us. Um, the biblical writers in most cultures around the world recognize this, that these words, um, even if they're made in an offhanded way, can become part of you either lifting you up, encouraging you, comforting you, or hurting you and breaking you down. Some of you could testify to this. Offhanded comments made by your parents, especially at some point in your childhood, that were not encouraging. And you still remember them to this day as if they were just said to you. Why is that? Because there is power in words. And that gets at the core of this, what this type of blessing that Isaac gives to Jacob. He was near dying. Isaac was near the end of his life. He, did, he isn't dead. In fact, he, uh, based on the text, next chapter, he lives like 20 more years. Um, but he's old, and obviously he's not in great shape. He, you know, as, as if you read on the text, he can't see real well. Uh, he can't, maybe can't hear real well. He's not real mobile. Um, but he's otherwise in pretty good health. And so he wants his son to come while he still has his wits about him and his mind about him and everything. And he wants to declare this blessing over Esau. So what is a blessing? Well, one theologian put it this way, and I think it's a great way to capture it. He goes, it's discerning who a person is and then choosing powerful gestures and words to affirm, encourage, and empower the person toward becoming the person God has created them to be. Blessing is a declaration of God's favor on someone. That's what it means to bless. This is what Rebecca wanted for Jacob. This is what Jacob wanted for himself. But there's one very important rule about blessing. One essential, like unchangeable fact about blessing is you cannot bless yourself. You can't. You do not have the power to declare that kind of blessing in your own life. Jacob was desperate for this blessing. He wanted his dad to bless him as the firstborn son because he had seen his brother Esau favored his entire life. Think about this. You had grown up in a home born moments after your brother. But it was like you were born 20 years later. Born moments after your brother and yet... And, and yet to live in his shadow your entire life, that your father dearly delights in his firstborn son. He loves his firstborn son. He treasures his firstborn son. It is his favorite son. And in, in every family, the oldest son of, of, in that culture got the inheritance, like the preponderance of the family inheritance, and was to become the clan leader, the, the future uh, patriarch, family leader 
um, for, the, for the whole family. It was believed that this oldest son was the most like the father and that the essence of the father lived on in his children, but mostly, most clearly in his oldest son. Esau was a man's man. He was a guy who ate a lot of red meat, liked to hunt, probably liked sports a lot, drove a pickup truck. Um, I'm telling you, if he was around today, this is who he'd be. He was, a, he was a hairy dude, like really hairy, so hairy that his name literally means red and hairy. That's an that's a interesting thing, because he got his name at birth, which means he came out Red and hairy. It's like naming, your, if you named, some of you ladies are pregnant, might, be, might consider naming your child Fuzzy. If they get <laughs> kind of hairy, just name your child Fuzzy. Um, that, was Isaac, that was Isaac's firstborn. And his whole life he had loved Esau. He loved, to, he loved the, the wild game he killed. The love, he loved the kind of man he was. He loved, um, and there was no doubt, everyone else in the family knew that Isaac loved Jacob loved Esau. And Jacob was the opposite. He was what you would say maybe is more genteel. He was, uh, if, if uh, Esau was an outdoor guy, uh, Jacob was kind of indoorsy. He says, it literally says he dwelled in the tents. He was very close to his mother. Um, he probably uh, liked a, a good uh, hot bath on a cold day, liked his comfortable bed. He didn't like sleeping out because if you hunted like Esau, you went out for days to hunt. And so he wasn't, a, uh, Jacob was like, I kind of like my uh, Tempur-Pedic. Um, I'm not ready to go out sleep among the stars. That's Esau. Um, and nothing's wrong with this, but the, the point is, and I think there's a reason for this, there's, there's such a difference in them. If he was just like a carbon copy of Esau, then maybe he would have gotten some of his father's affection anyway by default, just kind of spilling over. But because he was so different, Esau played his favorites. If you were to draw a contrast today that makes sense for most of us, uh, Esau is Dunkin' Donuts and Jacob is like third wave coffee. So like pavement, render, he liked his Americano and... Um, and things like that. When Jacob lies to Esau, he says to him, I'm your firstborn. That's what he actually literally says to him. I'm your firstborn. He's crying out to his father to bless him, to show his love and pour out his favor like he had seen Esau experience his entire life. This is a picture of every human being, by the way. We long to be blessed as the firstborn. What do I mean by that? Well, as I've said, Isaac showed favoritism for Esau and it wreaked havoc on his whole family. It hurt his marriage. It left his brother Jacob broken uh, as a broken man. He, he became decept, a deceptive person. He uh, was manipulative. He was insecure. And we will see this show up like through his life. You, Jacob is one of the most consistent characters you will see through scripture. Like that dude from day one is a scoundrel and he just keeps going. Um, but he wanted to be blessed by the father. He wanted his father to see him and affirm, his, affirm him and value him. And it doesn't matter how many books you read, how much therapy you go to, or how many times you try to bless yourself. Every person I know needs this type of blessing. They long for this blessing. We desperately try to get this blessing. Think about it. A person who, who says, 
I'm great and I don't care if everyone in the entire world thinks I'm not. I'm smart and I don't care if everyone around me doesn't think I am. We don't look at that person and go, they're really healthy, right? Like we, we in essence need people to bless us and especially those who are parents, especially those who are over us or have authority. We struggle, we, we need this blessing, but secondly, we struggle to get this blessing. Jacob's name literally means deceiver, which is also an odd name for a baby. You name your first one fuzzy and the second one's a liar, you know? <laughs> uh, not, not good twins. I don't know if you're open, you do a lot of uh, people searching for kids' names these days. Don't think these, either one of these are probably popping up in the, the book of uh, baby names. Um, but it's a play on words. So when Jacob and Esau were born, Esau was the firstborn. And back in chapter 25, it says the twins were actually warring with each other in the womb. So much so, I know, ladies, you're pregnant. Some of you are pregnant right now. Like, it feels like you have, like, multiple babies warring in the womb. Uh, but she literally had two babies that were warring. It was so extraordinary, she went and sought the Lord over it. Rebecca was like, God, what is happening <laughs> right now? And, he's, and God says, like, the, there's two Nations within you, and they are warring against each other, and the older will serve the younger, and, and God will bless the younger. And so when Esau was born, and he's, he's, he, he comes out of the birth canal, this little hand is attached to his ankle, to his heel. <laughs> it's his brother. <laughs> and that's actually what the name means in the Hebrew. Ya- Yaakov means um, heel grabber. And it came to be a, uh, a to, me, to me and sort of have the meaning of, of struggler or deceiver or scoundrel. <laughs> so he's named heel grabber. And this marks his life. And in this incident, Jacob follows through with his mother's scheme and dresses up like his brother to deceive their father into giving him this blessing. And this is you and I. How often do we try to dress up like someone else in order to get a blessing? How often do we go to lengths to get a blessing we desperately need or want because we can't bless ourselves? Jacob even doubles down hard at one point. There's, it's an interesting parallel in verse 18. It says, Jacob said, my father, and Isaac says, here I am, who are you, my son? And he could have come clean in this moment. And the author of Genesis uh, draws this out. And he says, uh, uh, this is a parallel to back to Genesis 22. These words, these, this, this exact wording shows up back in Genesis 22. If you remember, uh, Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him according to God's plan and purpose. And at one point, uh, Isaac calls out, chapter 22, verse 7, said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. This is the only other place in the entire book of Genesis these exact words are used. And there's no doubt the author, as they're writing Genesis 27, is included these to parallel Genesis 22, because in Genesis 22, they were living righteously. But you had, in this context, you had Isaac, who is the son, has now become the father, but he's not a good father. He is a, uh, he's a father who plays favorites and a father who's defying what God had probably told him, but had definitely told his wife that the younger was going to bless, be the one to be blessed. Not his favorite son. 
And then you have the younger son in this context lying to his father. So this, it's, it's both the father and the son. It's almost the antithesis of Genesis 22, 7. So much goes wrong when we try to, when we try to get a, a blessing for ourselves. How many of you are trying to get a blessing out of other people, out of this world? Someone to declare the affirmate and to affirm your worth. Someone to look at you and say, I see you and you are valuable and you are a delight and you are beloved and you are unique. How many of us do that all the time? And we dress up in other people's clothes to do it. Because the handbook for this says you just can't be you, right? You've got to put on someone else's clothes. You've got to put on the clothes of the person you think will be blessed. You've got to be the funny person. You've got, you're kind of funny, but you decided, if I'm the really funny person in all the contexts, then people will bless me because I'm the funny person. Or you're smart and you're like, oh, I need to be known as smart, so I've got to be smart in every context so that I will be blessed. Or I'm capable, I can get things done. So when I go into work, I'm going to be known as that person that can just get things done. The boss is going to love me and I'm going to get blessed. And we dress up like someone else. Some of you are putting endless effort into being someone your parents wanted you to be. It's just the way we, we are raised. We so desperately want our parents to love us for who we are that we, we, we think about, they've, they've given us all these clues about the type of person that they will bless, that they really respect, and we go, I'm going to be that person. Some of you are literally gone into careers because you believe that somehow doing that career, your, your parents will bless you for that. Not because you're passionate about it, but because you're passionate about being blessed by your parents. Some of you are on the other extreme. You're like, not me. Mm-mm. Nope. My parents said X. I went Y. And they've rejected me, and I've rejected them. One question. Why are you so mad about it? <laughs> You're mad about it because even though you've gone your own way, you still long for them to love you. You still long for them to bless you, and to see you for you, and go, I love you. You're mine, and I bless you. We all feel this temptation. Listen, I walk into a room with other pastors, especially, uh, you know, I, I end up into some context sometimes where there's like a well-known pastor or an, even an author, and I'm like in the room and I'm like, okay, what do I need to do in this context? How do I navigate so that I get a blessing here? And if I, at least I don't get a blessing from him, that person, I'll get a blessing from some other people here because I'll be the, the, the guy that, they look up to. We can do this in church. We dress up real nice, right? We dress up, we come to church, and we, we, uh, we hide all of our struggles, or at least not, I mean, we, we share, but we just don't share a lot, right? We don't, we don't open up a lot. We've, we've got problems, but they're not big problems. We're not getting ready to melt down or, or uh, fall under the weight of depression or loneliness or anxiety or fear. We're just struggling a little bit, and we're going to share that prayer request with someone, and we're just going to go, you know, Lord's just really helping me, but, you know, please pray for me. You know, and we present ourselves as someone to other people that we think will bless, and we're afraid we're afraid to show them how afraid we are. We're afraid to show how broken, how much we're struggling, how we are just really ready to just cash in our chips on this whole Christianity thing. 
because they might reject me if I say that. I'm really struggling with my doubts over here. I'm really struggling with this relationship. I'm really struggling with loneliness. And I'm just afraid to like say that because that just kind of overwhelms everybody. And I won't be blessed unless I'm the type of person that gets blessed. Let's face it, in church, there's that sweet little spot where you can be. Nobody likes to bless the person who has it all together, right? We're all suspect of that person, right? He's always, Lord's always good. Praise God. He's always great. Just great. Every week is fantastic. Lord's good. Let me pray for you. Like, no, no, thank you, you know. So we share, we share, we share just enough because that's the rule. You got to dress up like the person who's not, doesn't have it perfectly all together, but also not that weirdo who's falling apart, right? Because if you're falling apart, people are going to be like, ooh, that's weird. So you got to be that person who just has regular struggles. Just enough. And so we hide, we put on other people's clothes in order to be blessed, how are you seeking that blessing? Who are you actually dressing yourself up like? And I think if you imagine that person in your mind, you'll know exactly who it is. You want to be blessed like them. So why didn't this really work for Jacob? Well, we know that he didn't really get the personal blessing that he needed from his father because we knew, we, he knew that it wasn't, East, it wasn't Jacob that, uh, Isaac was actually blessing, was he? Jacob wasn't under any illusion that somehow he was Esau in this moment, nor was he under any illusion that his father was actually blessing him as Jacob in this moment. Think of verse 20, look at verse 26 and 27. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. Most commentators believe this was Isaac's vision was gone. <laughs> Isaac was not sure about the voice. He even asks about his voice. It's like, uh, uh, Jacob, the voice sounds, or uh, Esau, the voice sounds like Jacob. They're like, no, no it's me, Esau. Uh, you know. And so, so he's like, come here, kiss me, my son. And so he wanted him close, and, and commentators believe he was actually sniffed him and, and, and smelled him. Does he smell like my son? And it says, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Think about Jacob for just this moment. He's this close to his father. He kisses his father. His father looks up and then declares his blessing. For a moment, Jacob got the look from his father that he had longed for his entire life. A look of delight, a look of pride, a look of love. But did Jacob know, did, do you think Jacob really knew that it was him? In his heart, he knew that Isaac was delighting in Esau, not in, not in him, in that moment. When we can't be who we really are, when we can't be fully known with all of our struggles and weaknesses, and someone still say to us, you are valuable, you are amazing, you are unique, you are special, I bless you, it leaves us empty. And so what do we do? <laughs> well, if this situation, these people don't bless us, what do we do? Keep going. 
If this career didn't, didn't bless me, if this promotion didn't bless me, if this degree didn't bless me, then I will do what it takes. I'll keep going. I'll keep working. And I'm telling you, this city is full of people who cannot stop, who cannot rest, who cannot breathe, who cannot even sit with themselves because they so desperately long to be blessed and actually seen for who they are and love for who they are that they believe that they can't do that unless they achieve. They're trying to achieve a blessing that they can never achieve. You see, the blessing you and I need is not something we can ever earn or get from somebody else. It is a gift. And that brings us to the final point here is that we, the good news is we can receive the blessing we need. What happens next reveals that our attempts to be blessed in our own strength and in our own way always hurt us and hurt others. Look at at verses 30 through uh, 35 and then verse 38. Listen to how this impacted Esau. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and then Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. This was a son who, who was loved by a father and he was delighted in his father's love. His father, Isaac, said to him, who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you, uh, before you came and I've blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. And then down in verse 38, Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, oh my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Jacob crushed the soul of his brother. Absolutely crushed him. This language is graphic. You can almost hear like a guttural scream from from Esau. And it's so bad and it wounds him so deeply that a few verses later, he he knows, Esau says, my father's going to die soon and as soon as he's dead, I'm going to kill Jacob. And Rebecca hears about this, she knows, so she actually sends him off, sends Jacob off to uh, her family to go, quote, find a wife was the reason, but she just wanted to get him out of there because she knew Esau would kill him. So what do you have in this passage? When someone seeks to get a blessing for themselves while wearing someone else's clothes, well, number one, you, you see someone who, uh, others who get hurt because you will crush others in the way of seeking your own blessing because you're, you, you, they're, they're in the way. They're problems for you. They're obstacles to you to getting the blessing that you want. And so Esau was crushed. And what does Jacob get? Zero. No wealth. He has to leave the land that he was raised in and go live with a people he had never met. This is what happens. Devastation. Hurt. And a simple application point here, and then we'll talk about how we actually can get the blessing. I just 
challenge you, if you're a parent or if you hope to be a parent someday, be better parents than Isaac and, and Rebecca. <laughs> be better parents than them. Never, never play favorite. Some of you grew up in a home where there was a favorite and it wasn't you. Or maybe it was you and you knew your, your siblings resented you for it. It never works out well. You need to bless your kids. You need to find the unique things that create the beautiful creativity, uniqueness that God has made them in his image. And you need to celebrate that. You need to repeatedly honor that. You need to bless them. I'm not talking about telling your kids they're the most intelligent person in the entire world. I'm not about saying that they can do anything that they want to in life. I'm not telling you to tell them that the whole world should seek to get in on their story because they're the most incredible person in the whole universe. That's not what I'm saying i'm saying bless your kids with your words value them affirm them over and over and over again those of you who had bad, bad parents who played favorites you still feel this today and even those of us with good parents that blessed us it was an imperfect blessing because the truth is the blessing of our parents is is does not actually get to that space in our soul that we ultimately need a blessing. It helps. It's good. I'm grateful for it. But there needs to be a blessing rooted in spiritual realities. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. And until we are blessed by God, our Father, we will always lack that thing we need most. The key to our blessing comes in Isaac's statement in verse 33. He begins by trembling and asking who it was that brought the food I ate. And he says, and, and like in the middle of the statement, he just, it's weird. He just stops and says, yes, and he shall be blessed. Isaac admitted that a conniving, lying, deceiving individual would be blessed by God. Not, not a worthy person. And this points to grace. I mean, even as you read this passage, if you're like me, I, I'm sympathetic to Esau. Especially you read the graphic language of what Jacob did to him. Anybody else? Like you read this, you're like, I don't think Esau is like this bad, evil character. He's not. We're meant to be, he's meant to be sympathetic for us. We're, we're meant to be drawn to him and look at Jacob and go, man, he is a piece of garbage, Right? <laughs> He's a lying, conniving, underhanded piece of garbage. And the narrator is trying to tell us that that is exactly who God blesses. The most screwed up member of the family. Because the moral of the story is that God brings his scandalous intervening grace into the lives of broken people. Not worthy people. The other clue here is that Isaac affirms, yes, and he shall be blessed. Meaning, Isaac accepted God's plan. This, I assure you, was not Isaac's plan. Isaac's plan was that Esau would be blessed. But he surrendered in this moment going, human wisdom says Esau, but God's wisdom says Jacob. So Jacob, yes, Jacob will be blessed. He was recognizing, he wanted, he wanted to see God bless the obvious choice, but not the ordained choice. He stopped resisting God's grace to Jacob. And this is a picture of God's son for us. You see, Jesus is the eternal son of God, 
who's beloved, in, beloved, delighted in. Scripture, even at the beginning, if you remember when he's baptized, uh, the, the, the dove of the Holy Spirit def- descends on him, and then the voice comes and says, what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He is the firstborn. And he has earned the blessing of the Father. But what happens on the cross? firstborn takes off his clothes of the firstborn and gives them to us and he takes on the clothes of a liar deceiver evil person Paul captures this in Galatians 3 13 he goes Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ dressed up like you and I and got the curse that we deserved and gives us his clothes of the firstborn. That's why there's language in the New Testament we are co-heirs with Christ. And the beauty is that Isaac was blind and didn't know what he was saying and Jacob fooled him and, and so it wasn't a real blessing but the father in this in, in the, the, the gospel, the Father sees you. He sees you fully. He knows you more fully than you know yourself right now. And he says, I choose to bless you. You have the garments of my son, the firstborn, so you are welcomed into my family. And this is the blessing we need, that you are fully seen, fully known this morning. God has declared his eternal blessing on you. That's the gospel. Think about the position that puts you in as a human being. Yes, your mother and father may have never blessed you and they may never bless you. But you have a heavenly father who has said you are blessed and it's settled. Think of the wounds that God can heal in your heart. Think about the pursuits that you find yourself running in today trying to get a blessing and God saying, stop that. Stop trying to achieve something that you can only receive. And that's the gift for all of us today. And the beauty of it is we are blessed to bless others. It spills over out of our lives to those around us. Every one of you have coworkers, neighbors, friends who are desperately trying to get a blessing in this life. And you know it. And they... They know it. They just don't have maybe the language for it that you do. And you've experienced the blessing from the Father. And so we go out to invite others into that. There's no manipulation in that. It's an invitation. As we move into response, uh, communion is, is God reminding us that we are His, that you are blessed. And it's interesting, we receive communion. I don't know if you've really thought about that a lot, but you don't go get, you don't, you don't serve yourself communion. You are served communion. It's a picture of receiving from God. And you, some of you need today are Christians, but you have not been resting in that blessing from your father who loves you. And you need to receive communion today as a reminder. He sees you. He sees all of you. And he values you. And you are blessed. 
And if you're not a Christian today, this is the gospel. This is the invitation. This is what we are about as a church. This is why we talk about it every week. Is because this is the greatest invitation that can be offered to any human being on earth. To know the God who created you. To be loved by him. To experience his goodness as a father. And so we want to invite you today to take that step of faith. You can uh, mark on your connection card and someone will follow up with you. You can put that in the offering basket later. And, um, or you can come to the connection table uh, after the service. I'll be around. Um, and if any of one, any of you today just need prayer, maybe you don't even know what's going on, but you'd like prayer today. We've got we'll have a couple of people from our prayer team over here uh, by the window to, to pray with anyone uh, through the rest of the service and after. Let's go ahead and stand. And during this next song, if you are a follower of Christ, you know where you stand with him today and you are um, assured of your forgiveness and grace today. We invite you to take communion. Uh, we have to take it out in the hallway because there's no food or drink allowed in this room, but you can make your way to the front, uh, kind of circle around, take communion outside, make your way in through the back. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you don't know where you are today with the, with the Lord, um, we invite you. You can either walk with the people around you. That's totally fine. Just kind of circle around or you can stay where you are through this next song. Let's go ahead and pray together. Lord, our souls long to be blessed by you. In our very core of our being, every hunger, every thirst, every longing of our soul finds its rest in your blessing. And I pray today for anyone in this room that needs to experience that, maybe for the first time or maybe again. I pray that your spirit would speak the words of blessing that we need to hear. As we take the bread and the cup, we remember what you've done, Jesus. Your body broken for us, your, your blood poured out for us. May we receive it as a gift from you as a blessing from you in your name.